As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. I am Meg. You are listening, as always, to a show all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. CBS Sports' Sandra Herrera returns for the first time in a while, and we are ready to discuss everything on the CONCACAF W Championship draw, which happened on Tuesday night, the format changes for the tournament, plus some thoughts on no NWSL games on 420, but also new NWSL Commissioner Jessica Berman's first day on the job. But before we get to the rest of today's episode, to show your support of full-time, plus get all of our women's soccer coverage and everything else The Athletic has to offer on our site and on our app, you can subscribe right now at theathletic.com slash full-time. All right, since we're going to dig into the W Championship, and that is pretty much the main news of the week so far, let me just break it down a bit before we actually get started. The U.S. Women's National Team leads Group A, joined by Mexico, Jamaica, and Haiti. Canada gets the top spot in Group B, along with Costa Rica, Panama, and Trinidad and Tobago. The top two teams from those two groups are going to earn direct qualification to the 2023 World Cup. Then the two third-place teams from each group are going to head to the new intercontinental play-in tournament, where three qualification spots are up for grabs. It is definitely a little bit more interesting than what we're used to. There's also a single direct qualification for the 2024 Olympics up for grabs with the winning team of the entire tournament earning that. But then the second and third place teams are going to face each other in September 2023 for the final CONCACAF spot for the 2024 Olympics. The W Championship will run July 4th to July 18th, hosted by Mexico. And if all of that would make more sense to you in writing, don't worry. I have a full guide to the W Championship up on The Athletic, and that link will be in the show notes. All right. Now, hopefully, everybody here probably already knows Sandra, but if not, A, she's the best. B, she's host of Attacking Third for CBS Sports and writing about all things women's soccer for them to boot. You have probably seen her during the halftime of pretty much every NWSL game doing her thing. But C, she also definitely has a much better webcam than I do. Let's get right to it. All right, Sandra. Uh, First of all, welcome back. It's been a while. It's because you're you're off doing seventy five podcasts every single week. So I don't I don't want to ask this of you, <laughs> except for special occasions. Listen, pal, 
that is friendship in action <laughs> right there. You're like, listen, I know I can ask you on anytime, but I also don't want to overwhelm you. So I appreciate that as always, but I'm excited to be back. I love chatting all things soccer with you. So I'm glad to be back here. All right. So we both watched the CONCACAF draw last night on Paramount+. Plus. Um, first of all, points to CONCACAF for keeping it a tight 30 minutes, right? Oh, like so good. they, you know, you still have to sit through the typical draw stuff, yeah. but they, it, they at least know like we cannot extend this past 30 minutes, which I think more like governing bodies should be aware of like what people are actually there for because the business of a draw can be rough. Uh, that might have been my most favorite part of the draw, quite frankly. <laughs> like when all of a sudden, like you got hit with the like, OK, and that will be it was kind of, it, it made my ears perk up a little bit. I don't know what I was <laughs> expecting going into this. I knew I was expecting some excitement because, you know, we were finally going to get like a decision on groups. Uh, but I, I loved that it was a tight 30 minutes. It didn't keep anyone any longer than they had to. I love that it had. You know, that it was in English and in Spanish, yep. you know, yep. repping, repping the global game. And probably my other third favorite thing was um, us getting a chance to hear a banging anthem, you yeah. know, presented yeah. by Stella and Skip Marley for the summer tournament. I was like, yes, the, the CONCACAF W Championship does deserve a summer anthem. And I'm glad there is one. Fantastic. Yeah, let's actually start with the Marlies because obviously they were very pro Jamaica in the lead up to the draw. And then we got the groups and I feel like Jamaica should really be the team that we are all talking about because I think, you know, 2019, obviously a big World Cup for them. And then to see their qualification path to return to another, my immediate reaction was just like, oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. You know, it's hard to it's hard to like look at a draw like that and say, you know, where's a group of death? Because it's literally eight teams and two groups, right? Yep. Group A and group B. But I think as we saw things playing out, we had hopes, right? We want to we want to see the 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 involvement and progression of these teams, right? And we know that based on the last World Cup qualifiers, Jamaica made some noise, qualified for their first ever World Cup. They were one of many debutants in 2019. But repping CONCACAF, right, We it's a little bit different when we're talking about women's CONCACAF or, or non-men's CONCACAF. It's like the energy is just a little different. Like a lot of these rivalries are still just starting off and just starting to grow. And there's still this, this there's still this mindset adjacent to that where it's like we're all really rooting for each other to succeed <laughs> in terms of you know, what it, what it, what success is defined by the program on the pitch, off the pitch, et cetera. So having reggae girls in 2019 and then seeing this draw, having them lumped in with what we consider like maybe the, you know, a, a sort of big three in, in United States and Mexico and Jamaica, you're just kind of like looking at that group and you're like, oh, it's going to be a little tougher of a road if, if you want to make two consecutive World Cups because the, uh, this year's or 2023 is going to have for sure four CONCACAF regions represented uh, in the World Cup with potentially up to six teams right, represented right. in the World Cup because the two third place finishers will go off and, and play in an inter-confederation playoff to determine extra spots in the World Cup. But in terms of, I, I guess no path is easy when you really talk about it, but in terms of the most, the quickest way, I guess, to qualify for this would to be in this championship, this, this CONCACAF W championship in July, 
and to try to steal one of those semifinal spots. Yeah. Uh, but with Mexico as a host, United States is number one team, and Haiti no slouch. By yeah, any like arguably the best group. team through the the six groups where it's like a plus forty four goal differential, like yeah. just absolutely balling out through their group. Yeah, and, and they I think are, you can't overlook them. No, not at all. They they tore it up. I think they were group group E, and they were one of those team. They were one of those groups that had like a you know a match day scenario where it's it kind of came down to the final day. Um, and Haiti and Cuba were kind of head to head at one point in, in their group, but they were putting up all the goals. And you know that listen, that's a that's a, a team that's young. They they've already that group of players in Haiti have been together for a, a while in terms of their you know their youth World Cups and stuff like that and their youth teams. Um, but they're still a really young team. You're talking yeah. like 18, 19 year old, you know, so it's yeah. weird to imagine that they've been together since they were it's like, what we could call the Sam Kerr effect, right? Yeah. We're like 13, 14. And now they're like, you know, 18, 19. It's like, yeah. so it's so yeah. funny, but they're, they're no slouches either, you know? So it's like, you're talking about a, a team that has familiarity with each other that can maybe be a really tough team to, to break down or go up against. So yeah, that combination of, of Jamaica being in with Mexico as a host and United States is number one, but then throwing Haiti in the mix. It's like you don't ever want to maybe build like be too much of a hype beast. But I was like, listen, there's only two groups. But if you're looking for a group of death, like this is the one group A is yeah. going to be tough. Yeah, group A is definitely, you know, I, I think as as the <laughs> as the draw process was happening, first of all. The fact that Group A, right, is predetermined, like, you know, the yeah. United States is going to go in A1 yeah. and, you know, Canada is going to go in B1. But Correct. the way yeah. that we still had to do the full, <laughs> the spears, <laughs> the full spinning effect, I literally, especially when it was just the single Canada ball. And I was just like, why are we spinning this right now? You can just, so can just it was just but like that is that is a draw for a tournament yeah. like that is the you have to do. Like there's just yes. something in the any player that's doing that has something in their brain that's like I gotta spin it. This is what it is. This, it. is what it <laughs> this is what a draw means. It's not a draw if the spears aren't spinning. So yeah, shout out to Christina Marillo and Nelson Wilson uh, Lopez for for participating in that. Listen, they were champs, the former yeah. national team. They were doing doing their thing, but it was so evident. It's like okay, here's the pot one <laughs> yeah. with the two very specific color balls. Right. Yeah. And Go get the red like, one. Spin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you got the next three pots with two white spheres in them. And you know which one you're going to pick. Yeah. I think that's when we were all really paying attention to. We're like, okay, okay, okay. A1 and B1 are. Yeah, we know, we know, we know. Yeah. But it was real, like I, I was setting up my tweet. Right. And so I'm I'm plugging in flags as they come in. And for a A2, right, it's either Mexico or Costa Rica. Yeah. And I'd already typed Mexico in. Oh, yeah. Like I just I feel like it was a gut feeling. You know, I yeah. loved it. I was hyped when I saw that, man. You know, I was like, you know what? I hope Mexico is is in a group with the United States because there's a possibility that they could pay, play each other twice in this tournament, right? You got a group match and then who knows how things shake out in, in, in this group play and then eventually in semifinals and then potentially the, the final head-to-head for the, for the actual, you know, the actual cup. So I love that for you know, United States is the number one ranked team. And I love that for United or for Mexico as, as the hosts, the potential to play against United States twice in a tournament like this, I think is very big and going to be very good yeah. for, yeah. for both sides. Um, it's going to be great for, you know, the, the product on, on television or in terms of how you're watching it. So I love that. I think that uh, that's something that's been missing from CONCACAF. I like, I know that there's always um, the discussion of, 
like regional rivals and what that is. And for so many decades, you know, we talked about Canada and United States and how there's this very long story there. And um, when you look at the United States going up against other CONCACAF regions, they're very short stories. They're not these long filled with memories type <laughs> yeah. of stories. You know, even with even with Mexico, you could probably boil it down to maybe three big moments, right? In terms of 2010 um, is really like it's really, really the one that yep. stands out. It's the and it's it's often the one and only one that a lot of people talk about. Uh, you know, I mean, shout out to Lori Lindsay. She does a lot of great stuff with us over at Attacking Third at, at CBS Sports. And it was great to sort of hear her perspective on on things and and she, I, I love that she keeps it real and 100 with us on 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 the show because she was like we we messed up like we were the we were the ones that did not come correct <laughs> like we we were unprepared for that moment you know to be in mexico to play on their turf underestimating you know the the, the facility and um the type of environment it would present. So they were talking about longer roads to qualify. We're talking about Jamaica that the United States had one for 2011, you know, so it's an uncomfortable road to be yeah, on, but it's, yeah. it's possible. But uh, that's often the, the, the one that's talked about. And we're talking about a decade ago, you know, right. for this, for both of these programs. And they're in much, much different places than they were in 2010. And we're talking about United States having, two consecutive World Cups. We're talking about Mexico finally having a domestic league and building up their players and ensuring that there is a place to continue evolving and growth for their, their players and their program. And now they're back hosting a CONCACAF W championship because of all of the really good stuff that's been coming out of their league. So I, I am excited to maybe continue to see this, this rivalry continue to be written yep. and be written in a way that the players have absolute control over it. And I, and quite frankly, adjacent to that, that the fans also have a say in it as well, because it's, it's the enthusiasm. I think that I've noticed, you know, around these qualifiers is it's a little bit different than what we've seen in the yeah, past. Well, I don't I know if it's the new format. Of, I yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if it's because of the new format, but I, I do think that, Let's let's talk about the new format and maybe what it means for this tournament to be hosted in Mexico, too, because I think to your point, I think this region really honestly desperately needs USA Mexico to become a real thriving. I don't know yeah. if rivalry, but like some sort of regular presence. Right. Because I think for so long, the U.S. would book Mexico for friendlies. Yeah. Right. And, and that was almost like always the traditional um, Olympic send off matches yeah. like you would yeah. almost it's always get it yeah um but having that kind of regular presence with each other's programs right and i think especially having games happen in mexico is only good for both programs because i think what we can really look forward to is having legitimately engaged crowds in mexico that are going to have real rooting interests, which is not something that the U.S. women's national team frequently encounters, right? Like we got it in France in 2019 a little bit, yeah. but this the the continuing trend of like, oh, we're gonna you know play friendlies here domestically, maybe go to Australia. Like we're not necessarily getting super <laughs> engaged crowds in terms of like trying to mimic a World Cup setting where there really are going to be 
potentially like crowds that are going to be loud and not in your favor. Yeah, correct. So I love that. I I think I'm hopeful. I shouldn't say anything. I'm I'm hopeful that when this happens in in July, that there will be enough data there (laughs) to 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 have both federations say, okay, this this really truly is the start of something special here. And we we've heard a lot from, you know, the US soccer side of things and the importance of getting those types of experiences, you know, for their players. Especially I mean, all these young players, right? Yeah, yeah this, not, this next yeah. gen. And my God, I mean the whole part of Vlako Andonovsky's point and his coaching staff's point in going to Australia with the specific rostered players that he took was to give them that experience. It's like, okay, you need the experience of, of uh, travel, uh, playing together overseas and in, you know, opposition's stadium, having the game day experience. What is it going to be like going through a, you know, stadium walkthrough and uh, on soil that's, that's not yours in an area that you're unfamiliar with where, you know, we know the crowd is going to be in favor of, you know, the, the home side as opposed to the visiting side. You don't have to go to Austria all the way to Australia for that. You know, you can go right next door. So I hope that when this happens in July, that this truly is, you know, like I said, that there is enough data there for both federations to see and that this truly is a start of something new and something special for both of these, for both of these programs. And I think, you and I kind of maybe almost almost sort of if we didn't feel the shift completely, we we definitely had it in the back of our mind, kept it on the back burner when they had those Olympic send-off games uh this past summer yep. uh, against Mexico, where they just, you know, head coach Moni Moni Vergara had the team coming out playing a, a different kind of way. They actually came out, they wanted to play yep. against yep. the United States, you know. So it was uh, there was a lot more there in between the lines, I think, for us. And then it just wasn't enough for, I think, a lot of people to look at and say, huh, what's going to happen in these next in this next generation of this rivalry? And I hope that it's there's more consistent meetings uh, against each other. And I hope that there's a little bit more crossover as well. I would love to see that come out of this. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, let's talk about format because it has really drastically changed, right? We used to get two qualifying tournaments, one world cup, one Olympics that is now different. Everything is now combined, which I think 
having covered CONCACAF tournaments, I, I don't hate it in terms of combining all of those things, yeah. just because, you know, the last time I went to CONCACAF qualifying, it was Olympic qualifying yeah. right before the pandemic. And really the theme of so much of the post games and the mix zones, remember those, um, was yeah. U.S. Women's National Team players coming through and kind of being like, we still need to see more investment from CONCACAF, right? Like yeah. we're still seeing these lopsided results. Like we're trying to figure out like what our role is in terms of how do we force more investment? And then what I think we did see over the past year or so from CONCACAF is saying, okay, well, our hand is going to be forced by the fact that the World Cup is expanding anyway to 32 teams. So now we've got to figure out, we've got four direct qualification spots. We've got another two in this intercontinental playing tournament. How do we address that? And then also knowing, okay, we've got Olympics coming up. And so coming up with this W championship, but also coming up with the group stage into W championship where you have 30 teams coming in, right. And getting all of those group stage games, just increasing the number of games for nations like Barbados and Belize and like all of these teams that are not necessarily getting regular games and forcing federations into saying, Oh, okay. Like you have to go through qualifying. (laughs) We have to do that for you. Um, there's a lot. I loved it. Uh, again, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it too. Like in terms of um, this, this, this Concacaf W Championship feeling a little bit different than than competitions in years prior. Like maybe it's also the effect that the accessibility was there. Not to pull mm-hmm. the plug, and not to put the plug on. on <laughs> no, you on, should. On, you on, should. But I mean, you had American U.S. audiences able to tap in who are already tuning into Paramount Plus for things like. NWSL or other qualifiers because we had like you know women's European qualifiers and Asians women Cup. or or Arnold Clark <laughs> or the, or the or our the friend Clark our yeah. friend Arnold Clark <laughs> our friend our good friend Arnold Clark uh you know and, and they were already tuning in for this stuff and then it's like oh we guess what also got Concacaf W qualifiers so this sort of reformatting we should say maybe reformatting the 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 process because in years prior there was always some type of qualification process to get to this point the the championship that takes place um the actual world cup qualifier so but it was very it was very divided almost by like region so you had like certain caribbean teams only playing like in caribbean regions and like central american regions with with mexico and and others so to see this come out where they were like, okay, we're going to restructure it a little bit, reformat it a little bit. There's still going to be some uh, interplay between specific regions, but then we're going to get everybody into one qualifying process over the course of two rounds. So we had the CONCACAF W qualifiers for the CONCACAF W (laughs) championship, but we're talking about a round in February of of matches and then a round in in April of matches. There were like 60 something matches over uh, over 30 teams divided up in six groups and that and and to have this this structure re- announced that they're going to have this qualification qualification process for the championship but also have these other things in between it so yes there's what's going to happen in July is going to be for the world cup but there's also implications for the olympics in 2024 in cup. paris and there's also going to be the implications for the Gold Cup, something that's new and going to be introduced. So there is going to be uh, a women's Gold Cup for the CONCACAF region. So there's all these other different components that are coming into play with just these initial rounds of, of qualifying. Um, and I love that even within this, there's, there are always going to be uh, 
naysayers or, or people who always who are more glass half empty versus glass half full who maybe took a look at the qualifying round and say like what you know what's going on here you know you've got you've got Haiti putting up 40 plus goals on some of their opposition throughout the the competition you've got Mexico who didn't concede a single a single goal right you've and, and putting up like uh, 11 or 12 goals on, on Anguilla, you know, you've got us Virgin islands who can't, you know, pick up. There are people who are going to be looking and fixating on those things. And I, I understand that. I'm not saying that there's, that's not something to circle and, and highlight and point that this is a targeted area that we should be paying attention to. That just says to me that clearly some of these programs need, need more resources. They need more support. Yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the, the tournament was meaningless. We had a ton of games coming down to the final match day to determine the six teams who were going to join U.S. and Canada. Yeah, I know like that, that British uh, Virgin Islands result, 21 nothing. Right. Um, I looked yeah. to see what the population was. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. It's like 30,000 people. I mean, like yeah. that's that's smaller than the city I grew up in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So there are things coming into play here. No, right. Like I just, what I'm trying to yeah, say, I, I did look at the population. I was like, okay, like yeah. fair. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that overall, just it benefits everyone in this ecosystem, including the U S including Canada, yes. including Mexico for these teams to get more resources for these teams to improve for these teams to play more games, because I think that has been, yeah. So long the complaint is every time we go through qualification, you yeah. have people looking and, you know, like the U.S. beating Dominican Republic, 14, nothing. Right. And yeah. or Allie Krieger tearing her ACL or, you know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, there's there's parts to it where it's like it's the same kind of overall the helpful part of the discourse in France 2019 where, you know, U.S. is playing Thailand. Right. And like. Part of it is just the fact that the team has gotten to that point, right? Yeah. And like, you are going to get blowout results. You're going to get blowout yeah. results kind of through a lot of these sorts of things. But like, in order for teams to play, yeah, they they have to play. Yes. Yeah. I think I think that's a big, really important point to bring up. I don't think people realize that. <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes when we're talking about this side of the game, you know, not the men's side of the game, that things like milestones in programs are really important. Unfortunately, sometimes you still have a lot of federations out there with a women's program that are still trying to see if it's worth it <laughs> to continue yep. investing. I mean, and that's part of, I think that's part of one of the reasons why we were all so enthusiastic about Jamaica making their appearance at the 2019 World Cup. What, you know, what was I crying like sad Mexican tears because like Mexico failed to qualify? Yeah, of course. But on the other side of things, as someone who is in this space as media has to cover the, the sport, cover different leagues, cover different teams, I was absolutely thrilled for Jamaica as a program. And unfortunately, that's what it looks like sometimes. You have to these teams are put in positions where they have to show their success is worthy of support. And you had them going to the world cup and unfortunately, you know, kind of falling out of, of the group, but the enthusiasm around them getting their first goal, fast forwarding to even now, like having Sedella Marley and, and linking up with Costa Rica, you know, and having football as freedom events, like hosting these friendlies between these two, trying to cultivate 
the rivalry there between those two sides, you know, that have been meeting each other since like their youth world cups. It's very, it's a very smart thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Della Marley's very important part. of, cups of Also, I think that speaks to the fact that like, we're we're still looking at Sidella Marley as yeah. uh, as this external force, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes, like yes. it's still we're still kind of in that space of Jamaica is not where it is without yeah. her, right? Yeah. And that's not how this is really supposed to be working. No, so. I hear you 100%. I mean, we, we hear that. And it's not just Jamaica. Like we, we saw with, what was it, Thailand? I think it was in the 2019. Yeah. Like, yep. like having these like wonderful sort of benefactor-esque type of people in their in their program that they look to for, for support specifically or kind of even just being a mouthpiece, a central focal person to to help represent uh, represent the club. So my, my again, this is very early in this reformatting of things, but my hope is that this is just a very... It's not as not only is it just like a good first step, but hopefully it's a good first step on a, on, a, on at the very least a solid foundation. And from here on out, CONCACAF can continue to just build up and outward as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I want to see maybe this this next baby step in July and sort of see what the competition looks like, because now we have the two the two heavyweights right in, in United States and in uh, Canada. So what are teams like Mexico, Costa Rica, Jamaica? Haiti, Panama, Trinidad, what are what are they going to look like again? Not only against each other, but against these these two heavyweights as well. So I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to it, no matter what the results. I'm getting. also just honestly like really looking forward to this tournament being hosted by Mexico because yeah. I think that that is also again another you know we talk about milestones, but having tournaments hosted on home soil, I think you know we <laughs> we've certainly spoken about like dream locations for a women's World Cup in Mexico. Yeah is on that list. And I think if this is a successful tournament, hopefully it does give them that kind of, again, not just a data point, but the desire to say like, Hey, we could, we could, we could toss a bit in here. We could toss a bit in here. Yeah. I I would hope that, uh, that that's something on on the radar for them. I mean, they've had, you know, Liga MX Feminil, uh, you know, find success in, in drawing big crowds for, for big matches. Right. It's, it's kind of a similar, some a similar uh, I don't want to call it problem, but a, a similar scenario that a lot of clubs throughout the world find themselves in. That maybe there's a, a certain amount or a certain level of attendance you get for your in-season, regular season type of games. But when you have like these big cup matches or, or playoff games, you're drawing big crowds, right? So I think this sort of the data that's already out there with, with seeing some of these Liga MX Feminine teams pulling in the numbers that they're pulling alongside some of their men's clubs for these very big kind of marquee matchups. I think there's enough data there to maybe humor that, you know, and say like, Hey, if we throw our, our hat into the ring for a world cup bid, that there's a possibility that they can, that that can happen. Mexico is not unfamiliar with hosting a world cup. They were right. part of the bid for 2026. Why not do it for the women's world cup? Yeah, I did actually, this is a, a real non sequitur, but I did discover a whole uh, taqueria here in New York City that is themed around Mexico's World Cup. That is very it. much, on, <laughs> the next time you are here, <laughs> we will be going. Yes, yes. Uh, put it, put it, mark it down and that's where we're going to go. For <laughs> so, sure. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. I did want to spin into one other topic before we, our time is up, but today is, we're recording this on Wednesday. Today is the first <laughs> Uh, a certain date. First of all, actually, you know what? Two topics, because first we have to talk about how there are no NWSL matches on 420, which feels yeah. like a personal affront to you. 
Yeah, you know, it's a personal front to me because I've got to like bear witness to some matches on 420. Um, I, I've been able to take that in in the flesh, live and in action. I mean, we had in 2019 this wild, epic draw between Chicago Red Stars and Portland Thorns. And I was in the press box at SeatGeek Stadium. And there was no other way to describe it as, oh, that's right, it's on 420. <laughs> That's why it was so wicked and wild. And then we had one with Gotham not too long ago. Yeah, and yeah. I was just like, this is amazing. It's something about this day, whether you're celebrating it, uh, you know, in the name of, of, <laughs> of, of past or cannabis or whatever, or if you're just celebrating it for the wild soccer that you could be seeing in NWSL, I was like, I hope this continues. And unfortunately, just, it just didn't work out this year. I know. about it. It, it is, I, especially because like we, <laughs> we have gotten some midweek games and we're, it's a Wednesday. It's like you couldn't put one one game like yep. the one time we would actually want a midweek game. Yeah, yeah. This would have been perfect. It's a midweek, right? We've had those. We had the couple of weeks. Put a West Coast game on at 10 o'clock and just see what happens. You see, I bet you would be awesome. Those two. We had a what was it? The two Cali teams go yeah. four four two. Give us a, a blowout. Yeah. You telling me they wouldn't be able to do that again on 420? Come on, man. Yeah. Make All it right. happen. Give <laughs> so the people also, what they want. Also today, though, Jessica Berman, first official day. Yep. <laughs> when they announced that, I think all of us just kind of looked at each other and we were like, well, that's incredible. I don't think yeah. intentional, but incredible. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, she has certainly been present to some extent, even though she has not officially been started. But, you know, doing the media rounds, doing the the introductory Zoom. Um even from the time when she was announced to where we are now, it's already been a little like we've we've had multiple things. happen. <laughs> um, yeah. The whole Orlando debacle, um, you know, there's just it just kind of keeps going. It's it's the NWSL. If you were her and yeah. you are day one, is there like one issue that you would look at and be like, I can fix that right now? Oh, God. <laughs> uh <laughs> First of all, I love the question. Second of all, my brain is spinning very quickly because there there's a be, lot of possibilities. So there's a the possibilities might be endless. Actually, <laughs> the limit the limit might not exist. Yeah, this one. Although I would like there to be a limit, but I think something um, something easy that she could. Well, I shouldn't say easy, but something that she could look at on her many list of things to do. You know, might be uh, making sure that she's are and she's already doing this probably quite frankly i mean day one really just means the first official day she's probably been having a lot of these conversations already but we're in 2022 and we're starting to uh, see numbers coming out on some of these uh, big games on network tv and it's all very, very impressive, but I'm sure she's probably already having conversations about what a broadcast deal looks like past 2023, uh, because what's what's going on between CBS and, and the league right now is working because we're seeing the numbers and we're seeing the results. Um, but I think for some people, when this when the broadcast schedule got announced and they saw 24 exclusive Twitch games, 
there were some folks that were kind of like, why? <laughs> there were some folks that were kind of like, why, why does this component uh, still exist? So I think that she's already having conversations about uh, trying to make sure that the NWSL has the most eyes on it as possible. Uh, I think that she is coming from a sports background where the leagues that she was that had a heavy hand in kind of had to find themselves in similar roles. Uh, you know, NHL is still, a, believe it or not, even though it's one of the big four, big five leagues in the United States, it still tries to figure itself out in terms of games and how they get on, on, on certain networks or on certain streaming packages. Same thing with uh, the National Lacrosse League, a very young league and ambitious league. And now she's going to try to do that with NWSL. There has to be the conversation about what this league is, how it's going to be viewed moving forward by audiences, both your hardcore invested fanship, your casual fanship, and really new fans, because that is always the conversation that needs to come into play when you're thinking about how to get eyes on your league. You want to have something for your invested fans. You want to have something for your casual sports fan that just finds themselves in the weekend at a bar that they can put on a sports game. But you also want to attract new eyes and attract new money and new people into the league. So what are the best ways uh, to, to do that? So she's got some time because, you know, again, the, the CBS deal is, is, is you know, going to be around for a little while. So she's got some time to, to work on that. But I think the conversation has to really be had with this, the board of owners and uh, it might be uncomfortable, <laughs> but we have seen in the past, Meg, really just recently, that a lot of uncomfortable conversations could actually lead to some really positive things. So I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, there will be this way to figure out how to continue NWSL into this new era of viewing sports, because it's not like it's not how it used to be anymore. We see a lot of these deals coming out, whether like we're hearing the rumors about MLS rights or whether we're seeing something even with just WNBA. There is no there is no longer this concept of like, OK, here is this this sports league has the broadcast rights with, with this company and it's going to be on this channel all the time. That doesn't exist anymore. Right. The U right. Viewing sports has evolved. And what we need to do in NWSL is figure out the best way to capitalize on this current trend of how to view sports, this combination of, of TV, cable, streaming. It's all in one. So what is the best way to ensure that that stays there? So uh, I, I'm hopeful for this. And um, selfishly, I hope we continue to see how we continue to see the relationship between NWSL and CBS flourish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big takeaways from some of the, the numbers of late, right, is that NWSL media rights are undervalued, right? Yep. And part of that stems from the fact that the games were on YouTube for so long. So, like, even yep. the league getting money for a while was simply progress, right? And at the time, the deal with CBS was definitely the biggest deal that they had ever had. Um, now the question becomes, like, how do you maximize that? So if I'm Jessica Berman, if I'm in there 
in the office day one, my first call honestly is to CBS and saying, what can you take over (laughs) in terms of production? Because I think it like, to be fair, it's going to cost more money, but in the long run, it's going to pay off a lot bigger for the league. If the games look more professional than what they look right now, like there's such a huge gap between Jen and Allie calling a game on CBS, right? And the cameras and all that kind of stuff to what we have been seeing produced for some of the streams. And so my first question is, what are my options? What's it going to cost me? And do I view it as worth it? Because I personally think if there are options for CBS to step in and do a little bit more of the production side, maybe run games, but also potentially run extra content, you know, like have like what we see for Syria A that CBS is doing, I think is kind of the blueprint. Right. And I I bet Syria A is pretty happy with what CBS is doing, because that is a league that has not necessarily had that kind of consistent foothold in the United States. And then they immediately got treated as a consistent, legitimate product by CBS. So how do you take the lessons from that and apply them to NWSL? Like that's my first question for day one because it I'm feels like you. it's going to be like you're, a pretty you're straightforward answer <laughs> you're you're preaching to the choir over here yeah. honey. i would listen i would love to see it you would love to see it <laughs> so many of us would love to see it and you know what that is a very tough day one conversation to have with your with your board of governors quite yep. frankly and uh but i hope i hope that uh I hope that she does have it. She strikes me as someone who is, uh, she strikes me as someone who is open to having these types of, uh, this, this type of dialogue. It's like, Hey, we got to, here's, here's an elephant in the room and we got to point at it and talk about it. Finally, yep. Yep. instead of just knowing that it's in the room, <laughs> uh, you know, which is, I feel like the end of his yeah, special is just like, there's an elephant over there. Everybody just ignore and it. We're, Cause we're, we're seeing it with, Every match day now, every match day now, it's like a, a adjacent to watching this game and talking about it. You have people on their socials talking about the the production quality of these matches. So you know, it's it's something that has to be addressed. You know, and uh, when we're talking about this next era of NWSL, I think we have to we have to take a look at that. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, thank you, Sandra, for your time um i'm sure we will cross paths at some oh, yeah. point soon you never know Thanks, buddy all this right was fun. <laughs> all right thank you to sandra make sure you follow her and side note plenty of highlights and everything else uh go on attacking third feed so it can be a great one-stop shop for all things women's soccer via cbs make sure you follow her attacking third all that good stuff All right, one more thing is back, and that's because Russian Doll is back, and we are very excited in this household. We're going to wait for the weekend, though, so that we can fully enjoy it. We're going to rewatch season one, which is a perfect season of television, and then we're going to dig into season two later on this weekend before all the NWSL games happen. So very, very excited. I'm sure next week I will be brimming with thoughts about Russian Doll. All right. For all things full-time, you can visit fulltimepod.com. There are links for all of the major podcast platforms in one spot, plus more information about the show. If you'd like to subscribe to The Athletic and support all of our women's soccer coverage, you can do that right now at theathletic.com slash fulltime. It's always our very best deal. Also, side note, this show is now on YouTube, for better or worse. So if you would like to see me 
nodding a lot while talking to people, you can do that. I'll have the link for the new YouTube channel with all of our athletic soccer shows on that feed uh, in the show notes, if that is a thing that you would like to watch. All right. My name is Meg. You have been listening to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Meg Linehan and my work at The Athletic. Full Time does not exist without the work and support of senior podcast producer Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.